Hi guys and welcome back to another episode of Our Stories They Tell. This is a podcast where we talk about the representation of black women in film and TV. I'm Renee. And I'm Mara. And today we are actually, we got a special in it. It's, it's a special. Yeah, it's a Christmas special. Like we're going to talk about the movie Jingle Jangle, A Christmas Journey. Um, so it's the 2020 uh, m- Christmas musical film written and directed by David E. Talbot. Um, and it's basically like a magical, wonderful fantasy Christmas story with loads and loads of black people in it, which we love to see. We love to see things we love to see. That. That. Yeah. <laughs> this. But yeah, no, we're gonna get into it, we're gonna dissect it, we're gonna talk about the representation of black women in this film. Let's do initial thoughts. Loki, I just I watched like the first 25 minutes of the movie before today like um with my cousin like recently and then I watched the rest of it today and my initial thoughts when I watched that first 25 movie is that there's too much singing in this damn movie <laughs> no you're not a musical gal then no, I am oh, but I don't think I can do kids musicals right I don't think I yeah I think that's it I don't think I can do kids musicals mm-hmm. any other okay. musical I'm fine but this one I was like rah mm-hmm. another song well, that's a lie have because you... I like Disney movies. Yeah, I was going to say, have you watched Hamilton before? No, I couldn't get through oh. it. I couldn't get through no, it. You wouldn't. You wouldn't. You would literally, you, would, you, would, you wouldn't. But yeah, now that I had to, I obviously had to watch the whole thing through for the podcast. You know, it, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Hmm. Um, what about you? I enjoyed it. I messaged Amara mid through saying, this is lit. And she was like, really? <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'm really enjoying it. Um... I think it's because I really enjoyed it and I don't like comparing like films and saying this is like the black version of this or that but it gave me the greatest um snow showman yeah the greatest showman vibes um because I watched that in cinema with my friends um and I I really liked it I I, I love a good cheesy musical mm. one that is done that is you're not singing throughout the whole thing because Hamilton was taking a bit of the mick with that but okay. yeah so it, ran, it reminded me of the greatest showman but like Christmas but like um but like black <laughs> basically um and I I enjoyed it my first was I enjoyed it I I didn't think the songs were amazing but they were they were nice they were nice good songs we had a few a few um I don't want to drop names but a few like artists like big name artists there it was Uh, I was talking about Asha and John Legend (laughs) I don't know what you're saying you don't want to drop names they're they're in the movie (laughs) like what do you mean (laughs) do you know what's so annoying tomorrow I was gonna do like a, a quiz I actually forgotten you just reminded me I was gonna do a quiz on like five questions just like throw at you just to quiz you and one of the questions was like was there was a R&B artist featured in one of the last songs who was it and I thought she would never know man was like man just said Usher straight out I didn't I didn't think you would know you think I don't do research for the show no the thing is I Amara does like pages of research and I just clocked that now so I don't even know why I'm even we're not even going to do the quiz because there's no point she'll know all the answers so we move but yeah those were my first those are my first thoughts I liked it okay yeah um I watched it so (laughs) so, I said I watched it um a bit about the the director David E. Talbot he's known for um movies like First Sunday um and another movie that you'll probably know called Baggage Claim (laughs) um and then another movie called Almost Christmas and then this movie called Jingle Jangle he's done quite a few Christmas movies actually and apparently he's his producer on a lot of his projects is actually his wife Mm. um Lynn Sisson Talbot if I'm pronouncing that correctly um and so they collaborated again on this this movie and from reading the background apparently it's 20 years in the making this movie 
So no. he's been writing it and developing it for 20 years. Yeah. No way. Yeah. No way. I think, I know a writer that wrote something and it took him seven years. It was like a piece of theatre. And I thought, that's mad. That's top that. 20 years. Yeah. 20 years. Well, he did say he was letting it marinate and, you know, <laughs> he was... Yeah, so it's not like he wasn't writing it... the script for 20 no, years. No, no, no. Conceptualising and all that stuff. Yeah, exactly. I think that's yeah. what it was more like. Um, so, um, let's get into it. <laughs> no, I was um, So basically, you know, me and my relationship with Christmas movies. Let's talk about that first, actually. Right. What's your relationship right, like with Christmas movies? Well, I love Christmas. Let's just put that out there right now. I love okay. Christmas. Enjoy it thoroughly. Um, and I like, <clears throat> I like cheesy Christmas films. Um, it's just very nostalgic and it makes me feel really good about myself when I'm feeling down. Um, mm. that was a really profound answer. Like, that's <laughs> really nice. they're like but they're like your comfort movie. Yeah, right? they really are. Um, mm. I, I tend to watch like just the classics, Home Alone, Best mm-hmm. Man of the Day, like just the classic ones. I don't, you know, I don't, there was a channel on Sky called Christmas 24 or something like that, where it constantly had like, I think really? independently made Christmas movies. It wasn't like the the Hollywood budget ones and I really enjoy them I couldn't name any of them now but they were just like your classic love story and that's what I found with Christmas movies they were really centered around love story and before I was thirsty so that really was probably why I enjoyed it so yeah thirsty for romance guys yes yes what about you oh yeah so I don't know it depends on the year um usually I'm quite into like specific Christmas movies so I love Home Alone I love The Grinch um uh, it's Willy Wonka a Christmas movie. I love that one if it, if it is. Mm. Um, but I love like sp- quite specific Christmas movies. Um, and then some years I can just be like a Grinch. And this year I'm a Grinch. Like I I'm not in the Christmas mood. I'm not in the Christmas spirit. I barely help put on the lights. <laughs> I did the Christmas tree like begrudgingly. Like I'm really not in the Christmas mood. So since I'm a Grinch this year. If this movie had, like, put a smile on my face, I was like, okay, I know it's good. Because I was literally sat there in my bed, arms crossed. <laughs> yeah, I'm really, I'm really that Grinch today. But, wow. yeah, no, but if it can put a smile on my face, then, you know, it's like, it has the Christmas spirit, you know. Um, so we'll get into it and we'll see. So um, in this episode, I'm going to divide it into two parts. So yeah. I'm going to talk about the first part of the movie and the second part of the movie, purely because this movie's plot is not that complex. <laughs> So there's not much that we need to dive into. Okay, so the movie opens with um, an older woman who tells a tale um, to her kids. And the tale is about this man called um, Jonicus Jangles. He's an inventor. He's a toy maker. And he has a successful toy making business called Jangles and Things. So he one day gets the last component of his um, his toy, who is like his magnum opus. He's like the best toy he's going to make. And the toy is basically Don Juan Diego, which is like a sentient matador doll. And Django celebrates and he with his wife and his daughter. And they're celebrating the fact that they have this big new invention. But uh, Don Juan Diego is upset about the fact that, you know, he that um, Jonicus Jangles plans to mass produce him because he wants to be the only toy like him in the world. Jangles also has an assistant, uh, Gustafson, 
who is kind of jaded about the fact that Jangles doesn't really pay him much attention and he wants to learn from him, but Jangles is kind of busy with other things like this invention, like the invention of the Diego doll. So Diego the doll kind of sees this kind of jaded side of Augustuson and lures him in and kind of charms him and tells him that, you know, he can just steal Jangles' book of inventions, steal him um, and go off and kind of sell other toys from from Jangles book and basically live off of that of um, Jangles's inventions so Gustafson kind of falls for this he steals um Diego and steals the book of inventions and they run away together um so Jangles finds out that they're stolen from him and um he can't prove anything there's no proof that he that they stole anything basically and so um while Gustafson starts his own factory and builds his own empire um Jangles kind of falls into he falls into debt he turns his shop into a pawn shop and he's kind of not able to invent as well as he used to invent because he lost like his magnum opus his his big invention um on top of that his wife dies and he he, him and his um daughter kind of grow apart because of because of the death of his wife and the fact that, you know, Jangles doesn't feel like the same man that he was before. And his daughter moves away. So flash forward to 20 years later, Jangles is, you know, is uh, the owner of a pawn shop now. He's lost his his kind of creativity. And he is, he has a new apprentice called Edison. Um, and he is kind of not really doing much, but an, a banker comes into his shop and tells him that he has until Christmas to show him a new invention or he risks losing his shop to the bank. Um, meanwhile, Jessica has now has a daughter called Journey. And Journey also has like an inventing spark in her and like really is mathematical and sees things the way uh, Geronicus used to see things. And a letter arrives from Geronicus that says, um, oh, I'd really love to meet Journey, blah, blah, blah. So Jessica sends her daughter to go to find her her grandfather and, like, you know, learn from him and things like that. So when she arrives, Geronicus is very uninterested in her, doesn't really know her name, is not sure why she's here, but eventually agrees to, like, let her stay in his house with him. But Gustafson, who is now a famous toy maker, has finished using all of the inventions that were in Geronicus's book. So now he wants to, to steal another invention that Geronicus might have invented in the 30 years. So um, at this point, Geronicus has been like made to make another toy because of the incoming bank problems that he's having, his, the incoming bank deadline. is busy working on his next toy, which is called Buddy 3000. So apparently the Buddy 3000 was made, was designed by Jessica. Um, so. Journey sees that the designs were by her mother, so she tries to make it work. Um, And that night, she goes into the Geronicus's workshop and she finds Edison there. And they try to build, uh, they find um, Buddy's battery basically in Geronicus's workshop and they put him put it into Buddy and he comes to life um and he like he comes to life through the power of believing so they the fact that they believe in him is what makes him come to life but um Geronicus hears what's going on because upstairs they're like flying and it's all magical and Geronicus hears that and when he comes up because he doesn't believe Buddy kind of depowers and shuts down um and um Geronicus is like no it doesn't work it's never going to work I'm not a good enough inventor and he sends his daughter to his to her room and Edison runs away because he says mean things to Edison and it's basically all sad and that's like the halfway point of the movie I guess.
So, any thoughts? Yeah, I think that um, it was an enjoyable first half. Uh, things that I liked to see were... Well, it was quite short-lived. I, I liked it. I loved to see that, you know, Geronicus's um, wife was a beautiful, dark-skinned woman. I know. I, yes, I'm going to make it about Carla. She was a beautiful, dark-skinned woman. It's not rare that you see that. <laughs> um, and then and then I saw his daughter and I was like, oh, <laughs> okay. She doesn't seem like she, her complexion would come from those. Yeah, that was a bit confusing. That this appearance. Yeah, and yeah. also... Like when you now translate it, so the daughter, so Geronicus, Geronicus and the mom were both dark skinned. The daughter was light skinned, basically was lighter than that, way lighter than them. Way and then lighter. when she grew up, she turned into an Anna Rose, who is medium complexioned. Medium, yeah. So there was a bit of confusion on on, on that part, and I think it happens a lot. I think one of the things that that really got me um very passionate was when I was watching the best man's holiday i think it was part two and i saw that i can't remember the character's name but the woman who was ill who had cancer and her husband mm-hmm. had like a whole bunch of babies and they were all of different complexions one was light skin one might as well have been mixed race one was um dark skin i said why can't we just have a little bit of consistency here <laughs> that's just one thing that with casting it's just like that's the one thing that irks me we really you know when you said that time that you know, when it comes to slave narrative, they seem to have an abundance of like dark skinned actors and, and dark mm-hmm. skinned children and boys. And but then when it comes to like kind of pivotal, you know, intelli- like more kind of complex and, mm-hmm. you know, daring roles, we don't see much of that. So that's the thing that kind of at me that I didn't want to make a thing, but I made a thing. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also, and then Journey, who is like the main girl character, is also really light as well. Um, yeah. So, I mean, Anything else that you you picked out from that that side of the movie? Yeah, I didn't just settle with that and just think, yeah, bond this movie. I yeah. So the other parts that I liked, <laughs> the other parts that I liked, um, yeah, was to see, um, yeah, again, it's gonna be it's gonna be about the fact that when it comes to kind of like fairy tales and stuff like that, obviously we've seen that with like the princess and the frog and stuff like that, but we don't really get to have fairy tales like that where we're represented and we can be intelligent and whimsical and magical mm-hmm. and all that stuff. So I think that was quite a beautiful thing to see. So I just like the fact that it was um that I was able to see like a successful, creative, daring, like whimsical store being owned by this black man with a vision and a dream. Um and those type of narratives are normally kind of given to the kind of Caucasian families and stuff like that. That's what I've, from what I've seen, I, I never really see black families represented in that kind of way. Um, if it's not like a domestic drama, it's normally just not like superheroes and Christmas movies. And now we're starting to see that. So I really, I really am enjoying that now. I feel like we're really, we're really progressing in that regard. Um, so I like seeing that family unit and to see that they were all smart and innovative and, um, ambitious and kind of yeah it was just really nice to see Mm -hmm. that in all of the characters as well Mm -hmm. and to see that the community value as well that that those were the locals that came and just like held this guy in esteem held um Geronicus in in such esteem as well and his family in such esteem that was really nice so I really enjoyed that um I also Mm -hmm. enjoyed that um yeah I again it's kind of like repeating my point but I like the fact that that um oh maybe I don't I'm not sure I would have, I don't know, the mum obviously passes away and that's part of the narrative, but I would have liked to see, like, the mum um, a bit, yeah, I didn't like that. Yeah, same. <laughs> why does my mum have to die? Such a thing. Why, dead, why are dead mothers a thing in, in, in children, in children's 
Thanks. I don't understand. <laughs> it doesn't make sense, really. Um, yeah, it's, it's definitely a thing, and I don't understand why the mother had to be dead. But I was gonna say, but I I agree with you with the with the fantasy thing. Like it's it's quite rare to see a, a um, black main cast in a fantasy movie, um, and except like maybe like The Wiz with Michael Jackson, like that's the only one I can really think of. But like, it has kind of like a Willy Wonka feel to it. Like it's quite a uh, fantasy. It's basically set in a Victorian steampunk um, universe. Um, that's really, really bright and really colorful and really, really, you know, sugary sweet and stuff like that. And it's rare to see a black main cast in that. So I definitely agree with you on that. Um, but why exactly the mother had to die i'm i'm not sure mm, i'm not sure either i thought <laughs> she had like 5 minutes mm. and the song and then immediately died <laughs> that was that was yeah um, obviously that's the narrative and the narrative is a narrative but i really would have thought the mother could have served a more yeah better role and if we exactly. fleshed out a bit more me too um i was going to say as well yes i agree that they, the fact that they were all innovative and they're inventors and stuff and i think like journey as like a young like mathematician kind of thing would be really good representation for like women or black girls in STEM um because you don't usually see that um and it will definitely like inspire a girl to to do stuff I feel like that would definitely inspire a girl to do STEM and do like robotics and shit like that yeah you know that women can do that too and women can lead in that too um I think is I think is a great point that they they made I really like that's a good um connection yeah thank you Um, also the outfits I thought they were really cute okay I (laughs) thought you were gonna come for them (laughs) I thought they were really cute they were like Victorian but colorful um um and I like how Journey had like little gear accessories in her things like Mm -hmm. so like her headband was like little gears also if you look closely some of the outfits are like traditional or like Ankara material did you see that oh my gosh no way yeah I caught it in the scene where um uh Kigo Michael Keen Keen was like singing about being the evil villain (laughs) yeah Um, okay yeah and when they were dancing I was like I was looking at some of the people and I'm like is this is this Ankara like what's going on crazy yeah and I I googled it and apparently they incorporated some of that traditional material African material elements into it to like to Mm. add some flavor I'm not sure but I found that interesting um but I like the fact that it was bright like it was bright it was like Mm -hmm. a Victorian kind of thing but not black and white and brown and stuff it was like bright colors yeah and there was a mixture of cultures there was well, I mean, I say mixture of course in terms of like the references. There was like your Black British, there was like your African American, mm. and then you got like your African inspired. Like, so they did. They really went yeah. around the world. And yeah, like, exactly, it's true. <laughs> they were global, um, maybe. And then the side characters were mostly white, which I appreciated. Mm. Yeah, no, it's not. It's not something we see often. It's yeah. not often we see the black being the majority. Like exactly, or the main cast. Like yeah, it's usually the reverse. Um, and then in the background, it wasn't just black and white people. It was like Asian people in the background too, and stuff like that. Let's talk about the songs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so I just finished watching the movie in full about uh three hours ago, and I cannot sing you one song from that movie. 
Yeah, I can't. And that's the thing. When it comes to musicals, you're literally kind of remembered and you're kind of like, yeah, what what establishes a musical is the song. Like, it's the songs what, for every musical. Um, And, you know, little kids recite those songs. But there's just not... You know, there's and there's always like a one... um. There's, there's a, a one, one song that's, that's, that's profound, yeah. yeah. Um, like in Frozen, it's like let it go, right? Yeah, the climax is like mm-hmm. like you're you're there, and it's like they. I just can't. I, I I agree. I can't remember any any songs, and they were they don't they weren't bad. They were just they weren't bad songs. That's the thing. They weren't actually bad songs. When I was listening to it, I was like, oh, people are singing, like it's cute. They're dancing, you know. But like after the movie, yeah, there, there wasn't. It wasn't that that. To, it was it wasn't catchy to me i actually don't i don't think it had a catchy no, element to it, catchy. the songs yeah, um but they were so not to say that they weren't well produced and they weren't great exactly. vocalists and artists because they were like you had mm-hmm. like you said you had neo not neo usher you had i don't know where neo came from where neo came from i mean 2005 actually neo Okay, anyway, I meant I meant our guy Usher and John Legend, like, um, yeah, I can't fault them with the songs. I just can't remember they just weren't they weren't hitting me. Like <laughs> they weren't they weren't hitting the spot. Yeah, so they weren't they weren't hitting for me either. Yeah. And not gonna lie, the frequency, the frequency of the songs, too many songs. I get it, it's a music it's a Christmas musical. Okay. But every ten minutes, like I'm not kidding, every single every ten minutes there was a song. Like, can you let these people act? There probably was. I don't think the narrative needed that actually. I think the 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 acting and the performance was actually quite strong, so they didn't need exactly. to. Exactly. I don't think they needed that many songs. Engage people with a song. And I know. I get it's a musical, and then there's maybe they're kind of playing it by the rule book, but it wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't totally necessary, and I think that um, I think I wasn't that bothered because after I watched three hours of Hamilton, where every single line was sang, <laughs> I think my tolerance, like I, my endurance, was was very high. But maybe for you, you were like, nah, you were yeah. probably much lower than mine. So uh, yeah, my challenge is though. Um, like I like, I like movie musicals where there's more acting than there is singing. Like Chicago, there's a lot of acting in Chicago, um, and not that much singing. And even then, I feel like there's too much singing. <laughs> wow, your tolerance is low. <laughs> it's low. Like I like Dreamgirls. Um, mm. where there's a lot of acting and mm. there's act singing. Do you know what I mean? Oh. Like, Oh, I love a good act singing. Exactly. Yeah. Like you're singing and you're acting through the song. But in Jingle Jangles, it's like it's it's sing dancing. Like they're, yeah, you're they're literally serving. Exactly. Yeah. This is a musical number. It's it's not really to do with like any of the plot, really. Like, um That's a so, good point, yeah. Um and also I think that was part of the re- that was part of the thing that slowed the movie down. I think there's like there's a lot of bad points, but honestly, it's a solid movie. Like it's not it's yeah, not bad it is. In any it way is. whatsoever. It's definitely a solid movie. But like, and if you're a kid, like you won't care. <laughs> so, literally, literally. And, yeah. yeah, I'm not the target audience. So, but I think that's slowed the movie down. It did it did not need to be two hours. If you cut out two or three songs, you're good. You're good. You're good. You're good. <laughs> you're right. You're done. Yeah. Um, I was, do you know what? I was gonna stretch it a bit, right, and say that why? Okay, I get the dad was going through it, and they and he didn't want a relationship with his daughter because obviously, of you know, he lost everything quite literally. Mm-hmm. But I'm just like, you, you gotta be another absent daddy. You, you gotta, you're gonna do that. 
And I know it's a very subtle Christmassy way. Yeah, I know. And it's you are quite sensitive to being absentee father narrative. I am, I am. And it's probably because I, I, I grew up in a single parent household, so I've always I always spot that. I always like hone into that point. Mm-hmm. Um and they probably don't make it I don't know if in the writer's room, right? They they made it a thing where they were like, Yeah, so it's gonna be an absent like I don't think they were thinking that much of him not being present and they were thinking more of the fact that he lost everything. That was the main point and he that that sport his relationship with his um with his daughter but mm-hmm. I, that was another thing that i picked up that i was like renee are you trying to make a point out of a point that doesn't exist and i was like yeah i don't care um yeah yeah uh but that was i found that interesting as well and i um but i felt for him i felt like this was a more justified reason not that there's any kind of justification to why you shouldn't be in your kid's life mm-hmm. but like i felt i felt his i was sympathetic to his yeah. to, to his plight right yes. Yeah. yeah, same. Because like he had actually genuinely lost everything. Um, Literally. And yeah, he went from being very, very high on a really, really good place to being very, very low. And I feel like that kind of downward spiral is not gonna do any any good things to your relationship with your kid. Yeah. Um, so it 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 was fair enough. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I saw it, I was like, fair enough. Fair yeah. enough. I'll give that to you, um Jangle. Give it to you. Mm-hmm. Um, so Keegan Michael Key from Keel and Peel. The, mm-hmm. you know the comedy show um is in this movie and he plays like the main villain gusterson mm-hmm. and i was really shocked that he can sing did you know he could sing oh, so it, was, it was it was actually him singing in this it wasn't someone it sounds like his voice um oh. so i'm gonna assume that he's singing okay okay right do i have to google that he might be a multifaceted babe he might, he be, might another be a multifaceted he can sing he can he can, he can act he can do he's funny. Um, He's Abby. He can do comedy. That's what I was gonna say. But I didn't know he was. I was. I was shocked. Um, I think he was. He made a good villain also because of his comedy things. Like it's kind of. He's kind of a really goofy villain. Um, and the sheer fact that he's been manipulated by a sentient doll that had existed for literally five minutes before he gained the ability to manipulate him was kind of hilarious. <laughs> so, how are you in bondage for thirty years with a thing that is plastic? I was gonna say that I found Mrs. Johnson quite creepy. Um, oh my God, <laughs> We have to talk about Mrs. Renee, Johnson. I have, so I have so many things to say about Mrs. Johnson. Let's save it till the second. Okay, bit. okay. Let's let's talk about it. That bit. woman is oh. a, another thing on her own. <laughs> Jesus. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, she was creepy. I'm so glad you brought that up. Anyway. <laughs> um, yeah. No. The last thing I was gonna mention is actually. Um, the robot, like the random robot, Body Three Thousand, for like, correct me if I'm wrong, but there was no kind of connection to Body Three Thousand in the beginning of the plot. Mm. Like we only just found out that he was a thing randomly, like thirty five minutes into the movie, and yeah. I thought I thought there would be more of a connection to the beginning of the plot. I feel like they could have made a, a better connection from for Buddy in the beginning of the movie. Maybe they could have shown like Jessica drawing him out or something. Yeah, you mind have you watched that film called um Wally? Oh my god, Wally Buddy is I literally wrote down in my notes, Buddy is what is Wally. Is is yeah, Wally. Is is yeah, why didn't you just say that? Steampunk Victorian black Wally. Black. Exactly. We have to. Yeah, we have to specify that he's black. Yeah. Yes. Um, which I thought was is true. No, you're right. Um, but I think they should have tied him into the beginning of the plot. Basically, is what I'm trying to say. Definitely. 
I do think there was a lack of a sheer lack of connection on on, on that or where, where Wally came from. Honestly, I don't. He came from nowhere. <laughs> yeah. So this is the second part of the, the second part of the movie. You know, Jeronicus, You know, he's jaded. He doesn't really want to invent anything anymore. He thinks he's a disaster. Basically, um, he thinks he's he's hopeless. Um, and so Gustafson was spying on 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 um, Buddy this entire time, and he um, decides to go into the factory and steal Buddy and and unveil him as his own creation. So uh, he tries to do this. He like sets him up. He sets himself up with like the bankers, the investors, his his fans, and he tries to unveil Buddy. But obviously, Buddy works through the power of belief and believing that he will work. And Gustafson obviously doesn't have this, so the unveiling is disastrous. But uh, Buddy doesn't do anything, and everybody walks out, and he's like. Gustafson is um disgraced basically um so Journey and Edison know sneak into Gustafson's factory um manage to distract the guards find Buddy and bring him through like a tunnel um in the back of the 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 factory and um Jeronicus has found out that they're missing um that Journey and and Edison are missing so Jeronicus decides to go with the help of Mr Johnson to try and help the kids and get get them to escape with him so um he meets them at the tunnel and he has to do some quick math calculations to try and save them from a fire that's on the end of the tunnel and they make their way through what looks like a kind of theme park ride <laughs> kind of thing doesn't it look like a theme park ride it does Helen look it look lit there yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Um, but they just get through by the skin of their teeth, and they and Buddy also brings his arms out to help them um, slow down the trolley that they're riding on. Um, and, but in the process, Buddy gets destroyed. Um, and the next day is Christmas, and Christmas Day is the deadline for when he's supposed to unveil his new creation. So, so they're going home, and you know, Journey says bye to Edison, and um, also reveals to Jeronicus that she was the one who wrote the letter to Jessica to her mother. Um, pretending to mis- be Mr. J- Jangles because he she wants to get to know him more and she wants to like be with him. Um, so you know they hug and stuff, and he goes to work on Buddy. And in the in that time period, Jessica, the mom, comes back, returns back to the store, um, and they have like a reconciliation type of moment. You know, Jangles says he's sorry for for hurting her and like um shows him the shows her all of the letters that he's written to her over this period of time and it's all really sweet and cute. And then they work together on on fixing Jing in on fixing Buddy because obviously um Jessica was the first pers- the person that first, you know, drew out the sketches and invented it in the first place. The next morning, Jeronicus and his family are uh, met with Gustafson and the police and he basically brought the police and accused Mr Jangles of stealing Buddy away from him um, during the fire at the factory and Journey disproves this basically Journey shows him that she actually had wrote Mr. J- property of Mr Jangles in invisible ink on the blueprints for Buddy so um, you know Gustafson is is disgraced again and he gets taken off by the police so um, Diego so Diego also takes sides and goes to um, Mr. Jangles' side and Mr. Jangles decides that he, to turn him off and reprogram him so he can mass produce him like he originally planned to do. So the banker that set him set the deadline for the invention also comes and he's like, all right, I'm really sorry, but I'm going to have to take the house away from you. But he's like, no, hold on a minute. We actually have a thing here. And Buddy comes out and he's working and he like flies into the room because for some reason he can fly. Um, <laughs> and who knows yeah. why? But he can fly. He can fly. Um, he could fly before. I forgot to mention it, but he can. He can actually fly. Anyway, <laughs> it's magical. 
So, um, yeah, so Bonnie flies into the room and um, everybody's amazed and everybody looks through his toy store like, oh, my God, you know, he has a flying talking robot. Andronicus is basically like, you know, back on top and everybody loves him Mm -hmm. and he has his family back. So we end the story and we see that the the story was actually being told by an older journey um, and she's telling it to her grandchildren and she's doing this because one of her because her granddaughter actually has the same gift as her of like seeing numbers and stuff like that and she also reveals to them that there's a functioning buddy like buddy still works and he's like still here and buddy like talks to all of them and then they go off flying into the air towards their own factory which is like a massive jangles factory where uh, Gustus's factory used to be um so during the the credit scene um we see a montage of like what happened after Jangles got back into business so basically Gustafson you know is in jail now um Diego the Diego doll was mass produced and Jangles opened his factory and everybody is like living together and it's very cute and everybody's happy so thoughts thoughts uh yeah the latter part, I think, was it, it is what it is. It, yeah, she. I was. I was really engaged. I was. I really. I was really rooting for um um for Journey and Edison to get the um to get what's that Wally look, looking for? Um, body. Body. There we go. Body three thousand. My guy. Great. So I was really rooting for for them. Um, I was. I really enjoyed that kind of adventure element, and like that's such a typical kind of element in a children's story like there's a bad guy and you have to get away from him and you have to distract and it was very so it really just while I was watching this it just really really reaffirmed to me that this is not this is this movie is not for me it is not for me it's for it's for people that are are, are 10 years younger than mm-hmm. me we move um because I'm just like oh my gosh this is so typical but I'm just thinking like this is not for me I don't have the right to really you know yeah. come for them because they didn't make it for exactly. me <laughs> to young people cliches are not cliches yet right exactly for us it's cliche because we've seen it a thousand times but for a young person like a a kid it's like oh my god like are they gonna get out we don't know yeah (laughs) it's very cute and i'm just like they're gonna get out (laughs) it's okay you're good but yeah so um i enjoyed that element and I enjoyed the fact that um, it was kids that kind of like, I know this is like, again, this is typical, but it was kids kind of solving the day and it was like um, journeys, persistence and belief in her grandfather. I think that's a really endearing thing. Like she believed, she was like really going ham for her grandfather. Like mm-hmm. I remember that, that really cute moment where she was like, I love you grandfather, gran- grandpa, um, Jay, whatever he's, what she calls him. Mm-hmm. But like, she's really, um, she really has, such a devotion to her grandfather mm-hmm. and he's like intelligence and like it's really nice to see that in a child to be that endearing and personal so I really like that that element that's and really seeing good. how she really she really done that's a really good yeah point. Really, yeah now that I think about it it's really cute yeah um so I like that element I I get okay so we're gonna we're gonna I don't know if you want to respond to that that point I just made but I want to move on to Miss Johnston um so, yeah no let's move on to <laughs> let's move on to Miss Johnston <laughs> Um, Miss Johnston Johnston needs to go to jail for sexual harassment right I I feel like there's nothing more to add she is she was harassing that's your point that's my point she was harassing Mr Jangles this entire movie from the top to the bottom she was and what did he what was she done what happened to her she was rewarded with a kiss I don't understand Mrs Johnston needs to go to jail (laughs) No, that was that was harassment, and I think um, I think if at first in the movie I thought 
surely this can't be um Geronicus's um love interest. No, surely not. Surely. Not after not after that beautiful wife he had. Exactly. And surely not. <laughs> not that the woman isn't beautiful. Like it's not her fault that her character's a creep, right? But yeah, yeah, she's a beautiful woman and stuff. Yes. But yeah, her character is a creep. Okay, like she was creeping on Mr. Jangles the entire time, even though he told her several times, "I'm okay, Literally. thank you, Mm-mm. I'm good." Oh God! And then that scene where um. You know, she picked him. She, Mr. Jangles had to get to his children, who were literally in trouble. And she, he saw her. She was driving her post post van, and he saw her driving. She's like, "Oh, can you really, really help me? Just like help me get to my children." And she literally used the opportunity to try and um, coerce him, basically, into kissing her in exchange for her to drive him to save his kids' children. Like, come on. Mm. Oh God, it stresses me out. It was all a bit tapped. Yeah, it was stressful to watch. All a bit tapped. Yeah, please. And I know that they kind of do a thing at the end, but I'm just like, you really, you really, you really twisted his arm to get what you want. Like you literally twisted his arm. Um, she, she was interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, it It was was. kind of, it was kind of cringe for me personally. It's extremely cringe. Um, and not necessary. And one of the songs that they could have cut out was Mrs. Johnson. In fact, cut out the whole character and cut, definitely cut out Mrs. Johnson's song. Cut it out. What was the song? What song were you talking about? I don't even know. Oh. But I know she had a song. Yeah, it was something about Smile. And then, I don't know, maybe I mean, yeah, I think it was something about Smile. She sang it in his shop, then she sang it again at the end with those three men. Yeah. <laughs> that pop out, exactly. pop up from nowhere. Exactly, randomly, yeah. to cheer him up. Mm. Um, it was not necessary, like, just... Literally, Mrs. Johnson as a character, please buy, go to jail. But, um, <laughs> it would have been nice if you had like a just like a normal love interest, like someone who was just like nice and just do you know what I mean? Mm. Just someone who was a bit just just a nice normal. Do you think he needs a love interest? I don't even think he needs one. But if you were gonna do it, just give me just give him a sane woman. <laughs> and, like, <laughs> a sane woman. A woman that's not yeah. going to like harass him or twist his arm to get what she wants. But yeah, um, no, I thought that was a really like funny, interesting character to talk about. Uh, what else did I like about the the end bit? Yeah, so I liked, I love Journey and her her commitment to like chasing her her grandfather's dream. Uh, I I did enjoy Mrs. Johnston. Um, I also. I also quite liked um, at the end where they all kind of reconciled together and it was a whole like, yeah, what mm, we'll that was really That was actually quite That sweet. was really sweet. Um, the song that um, Anika, Noni Rose and Forrest Brissica sang together was actually really cute. And also, who knew that Forrest Brissica could sing? I had no this idea. This man has a voice. No idea. Like, that was out of the blue. Mm. Um, extremely confusing, but I'm not complaining. It was very cute. <laughs> um, I was also going to say, well... Okay, so I'm going to come with a critique now. Ooh, Sorry, okay. we've had enough. Sorry, but the adventure subplot of them trying to get Buddy and like Buddy being stolen and them having to figure out, why couldn't we get more of that? Mm. I thought it was actually going to be an adventure movie. Mm. Mm. I genuinely mm. thought from the trailer that it was going to be more of an adventure thing. There, it was a, That scene was like 25 minutes, I feel like. Yeah, it was It short. was not a lot of movie. And I feel like in, there needed to be more adventures that her and Edison had to go through to get Buddy. Mm. Um, also, I think comparing Buddy to Wally, like, okay, it's a cute robot, but I was not invested in whether that robot survived or not. Yeah. Because, like, it, they didn't, it wasn't enough character development for the robot. 
I know it's a robot, but like you need character development. There wasn't enough technological development. Even I, I mean, <laughs> yeah, it was a, it was a bit of a, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if it's lazy as the word or just unimaginative because the whole thing is a very imaginative film. But I just feel like, yeah, I definitely mm-hmm. agree with you on that one. Yeah, I feel like the world um, was very imaginative, right? The whole costuming, the world, the the steampunk, Victorian vibe, the whole, you know, um, African prints, things that they were wearing with the Victorian. That was really, really creative. Mm. The plot, not so much. Yeah, the plot was a, was basic, and I think they were relying heavily on the costuming and the set and the um mm-hmm. the visual the magic of the whole right thing. Exactly. the visual aspect of it yeah. and the the story and that's what literally I I I feel like the weight of the of the set designer and the costume designer they their back must be bending because they really carried they mm-hmm. carried they did. The, they did. the 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 film in terms of yeah just keeping us engaged I think. Yeah, I think so too. Yes, definitely. Exactly. But aside from that, (laughs) there was a really cute, there was a really cute scene where Journey and Edison, after they had come back from their like little adventure, Journey said to Edison, oh, I couldn't have done this without you. Thank you. And Edison was like, we both know that's not true. I love that. I love that bit. I really love that bit. Because it was very true, she carried she carried him. Yeah, she was just she's just a nice girl, man. She really likes to bring the best out of. I think that's that's it with Jenny. She brings the best out of people. Yeah, it's mm. true. She was she she's a very sweet girl. Mm. Um, yeah, but also that could be is this nitpicky kind of, but I'm gonna say it anyway. That could be kind of a pitfall mm. because she's really sweet and like obviously she's like an inventor. Mm. Um, even though we don't see her invent anything in this movie. Um. Do we? No, we don't. No, we don't. Do that we? would have no. been cool, actually, to see her invent. Don't know why they. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I feel like it would have been cool to see her invent. Um, and she's really sweet, but like they, she's kind of a blank slate as a character, which is good because like kids can put themselves in her place. Mm. Um, but in terms of like engagement, not not so great. Mm. <laughs> so. We have to. I just we, we we sorry. I don't want to interrupt, but we no, no, we skipped a scene. There was a bit where there was a bit of Afrobeats playing. I was a little bit confused. I think this must be, must be to do with the thing you know where they're playing um tradition. Where you know it, I think it's to do with the logic behind them wearing. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> I, I wish you could see Renee's face right now. I can't understand. No, I'm sorry. Someone I'm someone has to explain right. why the heck. <laughs> There was zankuing in the middle <laughs> of the town full of snow. I don't get it. I'm so sorry. Right. Man said zanku zanku. Oh what? I'm there was a lot of things that were misplaced. Really? No, I'm so sorry, Mara. That has to be explained to me. Oh my god! Why was there Ghanaian Afrobeat in the middle of this? And then Forrest, Forrest, what's his name called again? Um. Yeah, him doing like him dancing to Afro. I was just like, this is all a bit too much for me. It's, it's all too much to bear. Oh. I'm crying real tears. I know we're really trying to embrace like culture, but I'm crying. I'm <laughs> actually in this tissue. Sis took out some tissue. We weren't gonna glance over that. I'm so sorry. We just weren't about to do that. That's what we talked about. <laughs> okay. 
That's all right, Mara. Get it. Bring yourself back. Bring yourself back. I'm good. I, th- I think this is part of the aspect of the film. You know, the, what I was talking about, it was interesting that they, they wore Afro, um, traditional yeah. print, um, traditional African print designs with the Victorian. Mm. I think this is to do with... Um, you know what they thought the film was doing for representation mm. because when apparently when they pitched the film to netflix they were they talked about how um sorry in my voice i'm still i'm still laughing um they talked about how um it's not just for black black people in the u.s like you know the black and brown people have um kind of spending power all over the world like it's it's a it's supposed to be a diasporic film, basically, mm. like for all of the diaspora. And I think that's probably why they decided to, do, to throw in that extremely random um, <laughs> uh, Afrobeat scene. Um, they even got a Ghanaian artist to to record a song for that. Yeah. Um, and they just they just you know did a little zango and it, but yes, I agree with you. Extremely random. It was probably I, misplaced. I I love. I love the message behind it. I'm not faulting the message and the representation. And I know there's a there's an artist. There's a I can't remember her name is. She's called Princess Something, but she's actually like a UK Afrobeat um dancer, and she's like one of the youngest UK Afrobeat dancers. And she, I was like, what's this? What is she doing in this film? Like, that's amazing. She that's a big gig for her. Um, oh, was she in the film? She was in the film. Okay. She was one of the the girls that were dancing, and I was like, that's amazing. Oh, okay. Um, and I love how like it wasn't just black people that were dancing. It was it was diverse. So I saw a white guy getting it. I said, okay, you got moves, sir. Okay, yeah. there's a white guy. There's a white girl there too. Yeah, and I was yeah. like, okay, I'm yeah. not, and I was I wasn't mad at all. But yeah, I definitely like the message behind the whole representation thing and trying to reach the diaspora. But it was I'm so sorry, guys. You have to. It's just it wasn't even smooth. It wasn't. It's just banger in the middle. There you go, dancing breakout. So they went from they went from throwing snowballs, play a snowball fight to, to zanku zanku. I just. <laughs> I was like, um, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, that was, um, and I feel, feel like moving on <laughs> before I start laughing again. Um, and yeah, we talked about Annika Nonny Rhodes singing and Forrest Whitaker singing as well. And I was like, um, when I got to that point and they were in their reconciliation and they were talking and it was very cute. I was like, I kind of wish that she was there. Throughout the whole movie. Oh, movie, yeah. All these characters that could have been fleshed out a bit more. If you took out Mrs. Johnson. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's the problem here. <laughs> Literally. Um, I really wish she was throughout the movie because I feel like their reconciliation journey would have been way more, would have been more interesting and less just immediate yes. if, she, if she had been in the movie from an earlier point. Mm. Um yeah, because like she, he kind of just showed her the letters and that he was meant to send, but couldn't help himself. Who couldn't make himself send it? Mm. Um, and then she was like, "Ah," and then they hugged. Yeah, and it was like, like it was R X. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "Sorry, if I hadn't talked to my daddy, my dad in um thirty years, and he sh- showed me like a sack of letters, I don't know if that would, you know." No. Anyway, just, let, me answer, me. Let, me, let me answer that for you. No, that's just okay. not how it goes. It's, okay. it's just, it's not, it's no. Like, that's just, it's, it's literally been like, like, like your dad, after what you just said, after spending 30 years not talking to you, being absent and sending this profound message, mm-hmm. and then you being like, oh, dad, X. Mm. <laughs> back to normal. And then it's back to normal. Like, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, that, that, that wasn't. Was mm. mm-hmm. Yeah. But also, it's a kid's movie. So, um, again, yes. 
is there anything else you want to add? If not, we'll, we can wrap up. <laughs> no, that's it. That's it, man. So what are your thoughts in general about this movie? I really enjoyed the film. It reminded me, it, not reminded me, but it kind of emphasised the fact that we can have movies and have like whimsical, daring, imaginative films and it doesn't have to be completely majority white cast. You know, black people are imaginative and are nuanced and we don't just belong in like domestic dramas and like you know your typical films we we do have we have range okay if we want to be in fairy tales we can be in fairy tales too so I really enjoyed that element of it um I like the songs I didn't think that they were that captivating I can't really remember any of the songs I did have an issue with um like some of the plots and stuff like that um I I felt like they could have been fleshed out a bit more and then if they focused on certain characters a bit more it would have made the narrative more interesting but hey ho, again, I am a twenty-one-year-old woman, so some 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 may say it's not for me. But in terms of like being critical, that's 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 as as critical as I'm gonna get. Um, and I really enjoyed the color, the imagery, the life, the vibrancy of it. Um, and yeah, I I enjoyed the film. I would I'd give it like a, a seven out of ten, six out of ten. Mm. Yeah, okay, that's cute. Yeah. Mm. Um, for me like all of the stuff I've said for critique in this movie, you know, like I said in the beginning of this of the episode, I'm a Grinch, right? So I I've got a <laughs> like honestly, like things don't get to me as easily as they'll get to somebody else. Mm-hmm. It's actually a very cute movie, right? The the songs like dancing is cute. The songs are nice. It's very fun. It's very Christmassy. Like it should, if you're a normal person, put you in the mood for Christmas. Okay. <laughs> but I'm a Grinch. So <laughs> It didn't. <laughs> it didn't. Oh, I was waiting for that. I mean, I, I smiled like twice. <laughs> that's really profound, Amara. Well done. Thank you. Uh, I drank with that. Mm, that's big. That's um, big. Yeah. So I did smile once or twice and I thought, oh, that's really cute. You know, Um, but I think as a Christmas movie, it's solid. I saw a lot of reviews saying that it's going to be a classic. I mean, probably. Um, It probably is just purely based on the fact that it's a it's a black main cast and um and it's like a fantasy Victorian inspired steampunk universe which is not which is not something that we've ever, ever seen before yeah. um and it's a cute watch like definitely watch it it's cute you'll yeah. like it yeah I just think it would it could have definitely been shorter and some of the the pace of it could have been faster in some bits and I wish we had got to see them on an on, on an adventure thing in the middle some more like journey and edison on a more of an adventure in the middle um i think that would have been really nice to see um and in general i like i just love i love fantasy anyway and i really like seeing black people in fantasy environments like i feel like um fantasy authors in books and then fantasy in movies are mostly filled with white people and i'm like is it because these white writers cannot imagine a world, a fantastical world where black people are present? And if that's the case, then okay, hand it over to black people where we can imagine ourselves in fantasy settings. Come um, on. Because I really want to see that. And I really hope this movie opens the doors to like adult fantasy stuff. Kids fantasy. Yeah, and adult perfect, fantasy perfect. Stuff. Thank you. <laughs> Solid point. Now you wrap that up nicely, man. Oh, okay. yeah. So what do you think about the representation of black women? Because that's what our podcast is about, remember? (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah, I remember now, thank you. Um, (laughs) So... Yeah, the representation of black women. But I, I, I had the issue with, with in terms of um, the skin tones and complexions, and I always find to, I always kind of have these issues with um, 
films that are mainly um, predominantly black cast because they they especially when it comes to family units it's always kind of a light-skinned daughter mm. and a darker-skinned like father and light skin and uh, we need to kind of change that we need to actually make realistic family depictions um because if you are realistically if you are dark-skinned parents you're not going to produce a light-skinned nearer to mixed race child that like you you just is biologically and just realistically let's just be honest um so i i I, i'd like to always kind of probe and question why wouldn't you get a dark-skinned young woman to play that role and that's not to take away from the amazing actress that does play journey um, and then does play young jessica but i just think that we need to really we need to probe our thoughts behind why we're doing this is it something that we've kind of indoctrinated of what can sell the best what's commercial what looks good um is it because of the talented actress and purely because of talent i don't know i always question that i get a bit skeptical and it really disappoints me that i can't we don't see even though there was dark-skinned young girls in the film but taking that main role is what i want to see i want someone to be so daring which is not even daring because it should happen anyway mm. to put a, a, a young dark-skinned female as as a lead mm. it shouldn't be a rare profound thing oh my gosh she's done it shouldn't even be like talks about like this yeah. but it is and it's just it's a shame but um Word. So that's my only thing but i think that in terms of the whole representation holistically speaking it was it was like you pointed out Amara, it was quite good in terms of like there was asian there were black there were brown there were different skin tones and it was nice to see um and but i would like to see i would have liked to see more of the black women's like narratives and their roles fleshed out a bit i think obviously it, we were looking solely on um geronicus and his kind of story but i think that the, w- the women that were surrounding him were quite interesting and they weren't really fleshed out enough apart from um, Journey. So yeah, that's my my concluding thoughts on representation. Uh, yeah, I completely agree with you with the first point about the, um, the, the colorism aspect of it. You're definitely, definitely right on everything you said, I agreed. Um, and I, I think even bringing up the Geronicus, like as, um, you know, the plot revolving around him, I feel like it's very interesting that you said that because the story is supposed to be technically about journey. Like it's called a Christmas journey. Um, and the fact that you 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 picked out that you thought the, the thing was about Geronicus is definitely a negative point for like representation. I feel like there was a lot of focus on Geronicus and and what he and what he was going through and his like torment and toil and stuff like that. Um, and not a lot of focus on Journey, even though it's like her name mm-hmm. is the title of the of the movie, and she is the the main person in the title in the front cover of the of the movie um yeah. and i think that's a that's definitely a negative point for me this movie it could have definitely focused on more of the women like mm. it just 100. in general i don't i i don't understand that like i get forrest whitaker is a great great writer i mean a great actor but come on let's be real it's it's called yeah it's called a christmas journey Journey. <laughs> Literally, I didn't even clock that. You know? Yeah, <laughs> um, seriously. Um, and I agree. And I really, 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 really wish that they put more of Annika Nonni Rose in it. Like, I don't understand why why her part was like fifteen minutes minutes long. Um, mm. I don't understand why she only got one um, musical number, but Mrs. Johnson mm. got like two um, or one and a half, rather. <laughs> um, I don't understand that. Um, I wish there was more of her in it, but um, I feel like it was it was cute and nice seeing like a, a a little black girl in STEM. Basically, it's it's essentially STEM, isn't it? It's inventing a STEM. STEM. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It um, is. And it was cute 
I like the way that they they incorporated natural hair into like the the Victorian steampunk aesthetic, like they were all mm, woven yeah. in like um in like intricate Victorian hairstyles, um but they were all natural, which is really cute. Um, I like that representation and um also i i didn't mention this in the other bit but i really liked you know when journey was older journey was telling them telling the tale of the book like was narrating the book i really liked when um when they used the little stop motion like dolls in it I thought that was really yeah cute. I re- that was pretty <laughs> it was really yeah. cute I re- it was really pretty um sorry back to the black girl representation in general it's great if you if you look at it with a with a more um critical lens okay mm-hmm. mm. yeah i agree i think we are on the same page mm-hmm. yeah um and then this is what i was going to say about the budget yes so Ooh. apparently yeah so so like i said in the beginning of the of the podcast the, the um the movie was 20 years in the making right um so when he pitched it to netflix he talked about how you know it can do it it can do a lot for representation of people in the diaspora like there's not just black people it's not just for black people in in america it's like for people everywhere right um and um when he mentioned this and like apparently the uh netflix executives were really taken with this idea so they gave him like an unlimited budget for this movie like (laughs) there was no money was not an issue basically um Every, every filmmaker's dream literally. <laughs> literally oh my gosh literally and i think you can see that in the like set set and the costume design and stuff like that it's a really like polished movie like it doesn't look like the money was an issue um but honestly i wish they gave filmmakers more of that black filmmakers more of that opportunity mate do you know the amount of the amount of golden films we would be just producing left right and center if they just gave us a bit of cash oh <laughs> I don't know why I went. I don't know why I went cocky though when I was talking about my people. <laughs> a bit of cash. Um, <laughs> a bit of cash. Yeah, but I thought that was an interesting point. Um, and hopefully they do more of this. Netflix takes this initiative and does more films like this in the future. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that's what I think about the movie. I, I think this was a good chat. I like this discussion. It was so interesting. And do you know what? With Christmas, yeah, Christmas is a hit or miss. It is. So the fact that we were able to flesh this much out mm-hmm. of a of a Christmas kids Christmas film. It's yeah, there they, they must have been something like it, yeah, exactly. it, so, yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely give it a watch. Um, I think it's cute if you're in that kind of mood, it's definitely gonna be up your street. Um, anyway, this- if you're not in the mood, if you're in Amara's mood, still watch it so you can uplift your spirits. <laughs> it might not serve its purpose, <laughs> it not- according to Amara. <laughs> <laughs> give but it a hey. good go, give it a good go. Um, but yeah, so that's like the end of our podcast. Oh, we were gonna say. Um, this is going to be the last one we do for a bit because we're going to have a tea break for Christmas because like we have families <laughs> <laughs> a life <laughs> we have a life <laughs> um, no, but we're going to take a, a break for Christmas we'll come back sometime in the new year um, meanwhile while we're gone you can listen to the other episodes that we have um, uploaded already so thank you guys for listening Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas! Well, I mean, we will release it after Christmas, but ha- Merry Christmas and a Happy Merry New Christmas, Year. Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, Happy Holidays. Bye! Bye.